From bloated and tired to free and inspired, welcome to Free and Inspired Radio with Philip Watkins, your weekly dose of everything digestion and mental health related. We hope you enjoy this episode. Here is your host, Philip Watkins. Yes, yes. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Free and Inspired Radio. I'm your host, a naturopathic practitioner, Philip Watkins, and I'm grateful to have you with us today. If you're new to the show, well, the title says it all. It's all about feeling free and inspired and exploring the many different avenues you can take to get there, whether it's deep dives on digestion and mental health solutions or guests who offer their own stories and answers. I hope I can be the type of guide you can rely on to unlock the agency you have to reach your own mental and physical competency. Let's get started with what's coming up on today's episode. Coming up on this week's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 39 of Free and Inspired Radio. It's nice to be back with you again for another week. In this episode, we look at one of the most unique bacterial infections on earth. Helicobacter pylori, or more commonly known as H. pylori. So based on a study in 2015, H. pylori infection has affected up to 4.4 billion individuals worldwide. So that's half the world, 4.4 billion people. Regionally, prevalence of H. pylori is around 45% in China and over 50% in South Korea. Estimates in Hong Kong have one in two people infected either acutely or previously as a child. Now this prevalence rate differs globally uh, with rates around 40% in the USA and as low as 25% in Australia. But how come so many people have had this and so many people have never heard of it? So there are a few reasons. Most of the time, the higher prevalence rates are in developing countries with African continent, with the African continent, excuse me, estimated to have up to 80% infection rate. And that's eight out of 10 people, by the way. So on other occasions, H. pylori can be asymptomatic too, or people have it, but they just don't know it. So it's easy to catch H. pylori, and we often catch it when we're children. Primary methods of transmission of H. pylori are via contaminated foods, such as raw, unwashed vegetables, contaminated water, and humans. Yep, one of the most common ways children pick up the bacteria is through kissing or sharing a glass with a family member. This form of transmission is not as common as it used to be, as we've become more and more hygiene conscious. Still... It is always a consideration in children who show digestive symptoms with H. pylori infection that their family members may be spreading it. Unexpectedly to most, milk is also one of the common ways that children pick up H. pylori, but once again, this is in more developing countries. Now, there's an actually really interesting article flying around on Scientific America where they're talking about the extinction of H. pylori in developed countries because we're getting better at our hygiene. So it's interesting, kind of an interesting counterpoint to the hygiene hypothesis in that some bacterial infections like H. pylori are actually now becoming less prevalent. Most of the time, people who have H. pylori from childhood remain asymptomatic, but 30% of people develop symptoms and feel unwell. And this is what this episode is going to be exploring. 
H. pylori can be one of the leading causes of active gut issues in the upper part of the digestive system, and it's not just functional symptoms that we'll explore as well. Many governments throughout Asia, including Japan, China, and South Korea, cover eradicating H. pylori because it can cause peptic ulcers or stomach ulcers, and in worst cases, gastric cancer. So the research and discovery of what H. pylori does to us led to a Nobel Prize in 2005. And the research, the story of how the researchers got there is almost better than the prize itself, although I don't think they'll agree with me on that. Dr. Barry Marshall, uh, an, extra, an Australian gastroenterologist, was at the centre of what is now one of the most famous modern-day self-experiments. Obviously, Marie Curie and other famous experiments exist, but I kind of love this because the story starts in 1984, a year famous for other reasons. Uh, Dr. Marshall found himself arguing with sceptics for years, trying to convince them of his hypothesis that H. pylori was a pathogenic bacteria that made people sick. Unfortunately, at the time, no animal models could prove that H. pylori was causing gastritis or inflammation in the stomach lining, which made it difficult to convince those skeptics. In his own words, Dr. Marshall says that if I was right, then anyone was susceptible to the bug and would develop gastritis and maybe an ulcer years later. At a loss on how to prove this to his peers, Dr. Marshall decided to give himself a brew containing H. pylori. He basically gave himself a bacterial infection. And after five days, his appetite decreased and the bloating and fullness worsened. Dr. Marshall also found his breath worsened and as the days continued, he began vomiting. Immediately, his next move was to get an endoscope or an endoscopy and a camera into his stomach to investigate what was happening. Lo and behold, his whole stomach lining was severely inflamed. This account was the first confirmed case of H. pylori, causing inflammation and digestive problems. This N equals 1 case also was, of course, the beginning of a long journey into H. pylori and is now one of the most chronic infections in the world, along with periodontal disease. All because... Dr. Marshall and his colleagues wouldn't give up on their hypothesis. What an amazing story. So where does that leave us now with H. pylori and why do we need to know about it? Well, that is a great question and we're going to explore that right after the break here on Free and Inspire Radio. We'll be back with more shortly. Time to take a break. Are you enjoying this episode of Free and Inspired Radio? There's no better time to take back your personal health sovereignty. If you want to connect with more free and inspired episodes, simply subscribe to your favorite podcast platform or visit the website at www.philipwatkins.health for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yes, yes, welcome back to episode 39 of Free and Inspire Radio. Thanks for chilling out with us today. We are looking at one of the most chronic bacterial infections in the world, H. pylori. Helicobacter pylori is the more uh, scientific name, if you like, but H. pylori more common. In the first part of the show, we looked at H. pylori, how H. pylori was discovered, 
And now we're going to look at exactly how it can affect us. Now, symptoms of H. pylori primarily present when the bacteria has been living in the stomach for a long enough time to cause inflammation. Commonly, these symptoms are abdominal pain, especially in the upper abdomen, uh, nausea, decreased appetite, which we'll look into, fullness and bloating. One of the main symptoms that often bring people into the clinic is the appearance or worsening of dyspepsia or commonly known as indigestion. This indigestion can cause fullness after eating, nausea, heartburn and bloating, which is very, very common. One of the ways that H. pylori lives in your stomach is also the cause of indigestion and gut uh, the gut symptoms that you experience. As I've been learning more about the way the bacteria live within us, I've found myself amazed on many occasions at how adaptive they are and the lengths they'll go to to set up a colony within a host. Now, in this case, of course, the host is our stomach. So H. pylori is an excellent example of this. The acid in the gastric juice in the stomach is one of the most essential and effective immune barriers to bacteria coming into the body from the outside world. H. pylori just doesn't bypass this barrier. It actually lives there. It's almost like it's just... Anyway, I won't go further. It just it does so by releasing an enzyme called urease that decreases the acidity in the stomach. This enzyme is so powerful at reducing stomach acidity that it enables H. pylori to take residence in the stomach. To date, it is the only bacteria that can colonize the stomach in such a way. Once in the stomach, the bacteria then swim through the protective mucus lining of the stomach, a significant part of the immune defense, and latches onto the stomach lining where it lives and where the inflammation begins. Wonderment aside, this inflammation in the stomach lining and the diluted, more alkaline environment is the beginning of not only some of the gut issues we've discussed above, such as the bloating and indigestion, but also malabsorption issues. Now, this is especially when it comes to absorbing really important nutrients, protein, vitamin B12, and iron. So how often do we see these deficiencies? So you can listen to the importance about of amino acids and protein intake in just the last episode of this show. So episode 38 last week, we looked into dietary protein intake and why it's important. Suffice to say that most uh, people's dietary intake is already down on minimum numbers and throw in the low acidic environment. We have a double problem here, don't we? Whilst the episode goes into more detail, running low on amino acids and being unable to get them into your bloodstream basically makes the protein that you get from your diet nutritionally benign. Protein only becomes nutritionally valuable when the stomach acid and the enzymes in the stomach break the protein up into its parts, the amino acids. These amino acids are the building blocks of hormones such as insulin and essential brain chemicals such as serotonin. Now, on a vitamin and mineral level, evidence suggests that H. pylori contributes to a vitamin B12 deficiency, lower vitamin C levels in the blood, and vitamin A deficiencies. The low stomach acid caused by the presence of H. pylori also affects the immune system. So we've touched on the role of stomach acid in blocking bacteria from the outside world and, and how H. pylori dilutes it to colonize itself. But what effect does this have on the immune system? Unfortunately, the less acidic the gastric juice, the higher the chances of many different bacterial and gut-oriented infections sneaking into the body through the gut, leading to more issues. Now, this can also mean that opportunistic bacteria from the mouth, so if you're interested in the oral microbiome, check out that episode from a few weeks ago, 
can get into the small intestine along with other gram-negative bacteria that all contribute to small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. That's all. This is all from one bacterial infection, by the way, but that's not all. H. pylori interferes with the hormones created in your gut that manage hunger and your metabolism, or at least this is a hypothesis that's yet to be proven. Once again, if you want to hear more about the hormones that manage and control your appetite, please go and check out episode 35 of Free and Inspired Radio. But let's start with H. pylori and the hormone ghrelin. Ghrelin's primary function is to stimulate your appetite and break down glucose and fat storage. Now, whilst the extent of H. pylori's influence on ghrelin is still to be confirmed, one study showed that people who were positive for H. pylori had lower circulating ghrelin than those who tested negative. This hormonal influence also has significant consequences on how the body deals with sugar, so definitely a watch this space situation, but it also does point to why the people get diminished appetite, doesn't it? Because ghrelin is in control of your appetite. So it doesn't end there, though, as leptin, considered a partner in crime to ghrelin, has been increased in H. pylori patients. Now, why is this important? One of the leptin's primary functions is to manage how the energy from your food is used, initiating satiety or feeling full, and therefore, thereby influencing weight loss. When leptin increases in the body, we see poorer fullness signals, overeating, and increased total body mass. Now, this cascade of metabolic issues continues as H. pylori also seems to influence insulin resistance. There are seemingly a few ways this happens, which we won't go into for the sake of keeping this podcast brief. Still, it's safe to say that the research into the connection between these hormones and H. pylori is building to the point where even non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is associated with the infection. Now, if you're new to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, that is becoming, I think it's already crossed or taken over from diabetes as a leading uh, disease of abundance. So there you go. That's a pretty important point. Now, listening to an episode like this can seem scary as it always seems like you could be one of those people with H. pylori. You hear the symptoms, you think, hey, I'm struggling to lose weight, I have gut symptoms. All of these things tend to make sense, but I'm here to tell you that you may not have H. pylori. As I said, in developing countries, we're actually getting better at dealing with it, getting better at dealing with the transmission just because we're more hygiene conscious. Throw in a global pandemic and we're even more hygiene conscious. So, take a test. I recommend that that's definitely your first step here and a really famous and overused statement, but is very uh, appropriate in this case. Test, don't guess. Make sure you do actually have H. pylori before you consider whether or not it's worth treating or getting treated for. Your medical doctor can raise blood and breath tests for the urea exams we discussed earlier. Uh, The clinic that I work at uh, can also raise a sensitive uh, stool exam for you to look at more chronic cases of H. pylori, along with other markers of the function of your digestion, such as what we discussed with the state of your stomach acid. Rest assured, I'm going to do another in-depth episode about the treatment options for H. pylori infections when the time is right. But what do you think? pretty intense right it's crazy that 4.4 billion that was in that was a long that was almost 10 years ago that they had talked about that so it'd be interesting to see what those numbers are now but definitely consideration if you feel as if you're getting a lot of indigestion uh, coupled with obviously ibs 
and some of those metabolic issues which often aren't considered when thinking about gut infections such as H. pylori. Before we finish this free and inspired radio episode, if you are, if you would love to hear more from me and get the word on new articles, podcasts, episodes, and everything in between, including the references that I've used to put together these episodes, jump over to the website philipwatkins.health and join our community via the newsletter. You can sign up to the homepage there and get yourself a free ebook about probiotics in the brain or psychobiotics. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify help me get the word on the street. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, as always, throw the video a like and subscribe to see when each new podcast is uploaded. If you're one of the listeners who get this far on the show, thank you. It's it's really appreciative. We've seen we're almost at a thousand downloads, which is a big deal for me. I know it's not the millions that you always see other episodes get or other shows get, but for me to have people coming back to the show and getting some really nice comments and seeing who people are enjoying what I'm putting out there and hopefully it's offering value. Remember, this show is all about helping you to find the freedom to feel inspired again. I hope this gets you one step closer. Until next week, don't forget to take care of yourself and those around you. And we'll be back with more Free and Inspired Radio next time. Oh my gosh, you made it to the end. This show is all about you, and we hope you finished this episode feeling one step closer to feeling free and inspired. We'll be back next week, but if you want to know more about Philip, please catch a digital flight to www.philipwatkins.health for further details about how we might be able to help. In the meantime, have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, and we'll see you for another episode next week.